May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Good morning. I bring you greetings from St. Vincent's house. Very happy to be here with you on this chilly, rainy, and God has blessed us with another daylight savings time this season. It's all good. Many years ago, I sat in the second pew on the gospel side of St. Christopher's Church in Dallas with my family. This was the brown pew right here. And I heard a sermon that changed my life. I don't remember the propers for that day, nor which liturgical season we were in. All I remember are the questions that Father Larry asked us. Do you believe in God enough to let go of all you believe about God? Do you trust God to the point where you would allow what you know right now to be burned up on that altar? Can you let go of everything you hold about God? God is truth. God is light. God is love. All those things that you're holding on to, can you take it to the altar and let them be burned up? Will you do this so that God can show you who God truly is? These are the questions Father Abraham would have been faced with in today's first lesson. Prior to these times in ancient life, there would have been many gods to worship. Creation was vast and life was full of experiences. There were births and deaths and joys and sorrows and dangers. All of the things necessary to remind someone just how little control they really had in their lives. All the things they needed to do to appease their gods so that they would have good fortune. But there came time for a change. And Yahweh, according to the text that Brother Greg read, directs Abram to leave behind everything he knows about life and about living. One biblical commentator says, the city of Haran, from which Abram is called, means highway or crossroads. So God uses Abram at the crossroads of his life. When we come to the crossroads of our lives, whether personal or professional or congregational or even national, when we can't go forwards in the way we've been going and we can't go backwards to what we know, it is time for a change. Lent is all about change in the form of repentance. We fast from ice cream or wine or bread or too much TV, whatever, 
in order to turn from focusing on those things to placing our focus somewhere else. Fasting or denying oneself isn't true fasting if it's not accompanied by a heart and a mind to deny oneself for God's sake. I don't care how much ice cream you give up if you're not willing to give up yourself for God, doesn't matter. So the act of fasting mirrors our denial and our letting go of whatever it is we hold in high esteem so that we can be obedient to God, whom we should be holding in highest esteem. This was Father Abraham's dilemma. And it's ours as well. Each Lenten season brings us to a new crossroads. So think about it. What must have gone through Abram's mind to leave everything behind at 75 years old for an unknown life in an unknown place? How does someone do something like that? Can't you hear Mother Sarah saying, we're going where and to do what? We must read between the lines to see that there was tremendous struggle for Abram and for Sarah to obey God, to believe God's promise. But they did. And the fact that they believed God meant what he said they could act on it, and they left home. They had to give up to start over. They had to unlearn the old in order to learn something new. Listen, learning to give up or start fresh or begin again with an open mind and an open heart, this is the way of the Christian life. Why? Because it's the only way that God can really use us. It's the only way that we can bless others. In other words, it is the manner in which the light of Jesus Christ can be reflected through us to the world. So when we're blessing people, it's God blessing them through us. We become the mirrors of the light of Christ, and that's how we bless other people. So when Yahweh told Abram he would be blessed and in turn he would be a blessing, it was because of, get this, it was because of having died, having let go of so much of his old life, Abram could reflect the light and life of Yahweh and bless others simultaneously. It's the way the spirit works. This kind of living requires faith. It's not just saying I believe, but living like I believe what I say I believe. Can you hear me, church? If I say I believe, then surely I must act as if I believe. <clears throat> If I say I love God, then I act like 
I love God. If I say that God is love, then I act like God is love. And if God loves me, what am I worried about? What am I scared of? The whole, we, we can say, oh, the world's gone to hell in a handbasket. How many times have you said that? I know I've said it a lot. The whole place has gone to hell in a handbasket. What am I worried about? God is love. And if God lives in me through Jesus Christ, isn't that what we say in our catechism? Episcopalians? Then I identify with Jesus Christ. And guess what? I act lovingly. Yes? And if I say God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, then I'm going to act like God loved the world. And if God loved it, I will too. And if God loved the whole, everybody in the world so that he gave his son, then don't you know I will love each person that I encounter just like God does. Does that make sense? Does it? Okay. I want to make sure we're making sense. The problem is that when we say blessing, see, God said he would, he would be our God, we would be his people, he would bless us, Israel, and I'm going to bless through you. When we say blessing, we mean prosperity and wealth, right? Well, when God says blessing, God means, I need some water, shalom. Please. Shalom means well-being, peace. Shalom is the experience. Thank you. The experience of God's own presence. How do you know if you're blessed by God? How many people here think they're blessed by God? Let's just start that way. Okay. <laughs> I love you, brother. I love you too. If you're blessed by God, how do you know it? Because I have a roof over my head, I have food, He takes care of me. He um, just gives me so much, it just falls into place. I thought that was you. I kept looking, thinking. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. That's my friendly here. I. So here's a way to think about it, because. What happens if you don't have a roof over your head? Because, you know, we, we see a lot of people, right, at St. Vincent's house that don't have a roof, roof over their heads. And sometimes I walk in and I say, good morning, God's people. And they say, good morning. And then I say, how are y'all doing? And somebody will say, wonderful. They've been sleeping in somebody's backyard. Here's how you know you're blessed by God. You go to Galatians 5, 5th chapter of Galatians, verse 22. The fruits of the Spirit. 
If you're experiencing peace, if you're experiencing joy, if you know love and patience, if you are kind and gentle, if you have self-control, that's one I pray about a lot for. If you have those things, you're blessed. You know why? The word blessing in the Greek is makarios, right? Makarios. And what it means is about presence. It's about God being present to you. So when you talk about like your house and all those things, that's a way that God is present to you and you are enjoying that. And believe me, or believe our brothers and sisters that say this is how sometimes, if anything should happen that you don't have that house, you still have him. And that's why when Reverend Brown comes up and says, how are you doing this morning? They, somebody says, wonderful. You wonderful and you carry everything you own on your back. Hmm. Hmm. But they've got peace because they got the presence of God, right? And they know it. And they're loving and patient. Now, some are mentally ill and you can't, you know, we have all kinds of people, right? But just so you know, I want you to begin to think about Makarios and blessing as God with you. God is with you. That's what blesses you. Getting all off the subject, all off the sermon. The Holy Spirit taught me a couple of years ago. I used to pray for things. I say, you know, give me faith. Give me this. Give me that. And the Holy Spirit had me to understand this. If I ask you for water, you give me water. If I ask God for faith, what, what does God give me? What do you think he gives me? He gives me himself. God does not give gifts to people like people give gifts to people. God doesn't give us things. God is in those things. The man came to Jesus and he said, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, why are you calling me good? There is none good but God. Every time you are experiencing good, you are experiencing God. God's not giving you stuff. God's giving you Him. It's the most beautiful. This is the good news, y'all. That's the good news. We didn't have to do nothing for it but say yes to Jesus. And we get it. Eternal life is ours. Eternal life is not life out of time. Eternal life is the life of God. In the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit loving each other, giving each other out, just giving out for love's sake. Eternal life is ours. 
Because we believe that God sent Jesus. Does this mean that we do nothing and that God does everything? Or that we do everything and God does nothing? And the answer is yes and no. In one way, we must act just like Father Abram did in accordance with our belief. I'll give you another word for belief in God. It's trust. It says, I believe in God. I trust in God. So we die to whatever we need to die to, meaning we let go of whatever we need to let go of so that God can be seen to be active in our lives. When other people see it, the good news is proclaimed and the gospel is preached without a word. I know y'all heard the saying, you might be the only Bible some people ever read or something. You heard that before? That's, that's it. The good news of our lives in Jesus Christ means that God through Christ has done all of the work. Grace abounds. God gives us God's self, the good. This is the Apostle Paul's entire premise in Romans. Abram left home believing what Yahweh promised, not trusting that he'd make it on his own, but trusting that what Yahweh said he could do, he would do. And this faith is what Yahweh said makes you right. So for us, we say Jesus has lived our life and died and lives right now, and we live in him. Our identity is in Jesus. So what does God say? You're right. You're righteous. You're righteous because you're in my son. Now I'm going to warn you that we live in a pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of culture where those without material prosperity are considered, people who don't have are considered accursed and lazy and undeserving. So we shouldn't give them anything. Least of all, should we give them mercy or compassion? Right? That's where we live in this world, yes? We really do, unless you're not paying attention. Here's the, here's the crux of that, though. It's unbiblical. Any Christian who sits up and says, you don't deserve to be given the dignity that I do because you don't have what I got. You don't look like me. You don't talk like me. You're from another country. Any Christian who says that is not a Bible-believing Christian. Take it to the bank. It's unbiblical and it's antithetical to the God of Jesus Christ. When we were in Lent, we repent of that kind of thinking and we allow God to create within us clean hearts and a right spirit. Father Abraham believed God's promises and God called him righteous. But he didn't believe just in his mind, he believed with his heart. He let die his old life so he move into a new life. And he moved into the new life based on the word of God. 
So I'm going to leave you now with the questions that Father left, Father Larry left me with. Can you believe in God enough to let go of all you believe about God? Can you believe in God to let go of what you know about God? Can you trust God to the point where you can take up everything you think you know about God, put it on the altar, and let him send fire down from heaven to burn it? Will you do this so that God can show you who you truly are, who he truly is, and who you truly are? And if you can, I would say, hold that in your heart when you approach the altar at communion. Come to the altar to receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus. And hold in your heart, I'm giving you everything. Everything I think I know, I'm giving it to you. Take it. Because I want to know you. Let us pray. O oh God, who keeps his promise, God of faithfulness and mercy, God of our Lord Jesus Christ, grant to us, your people, the grace to die to our very small and sinful selves, to let go of our puny images of you, so that we might be filled with the truth of your life as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and having been filled with your truth, in turn might share that truth with the world. Thank you, Lord God, for hearing our prayer and answering it. Amen. Amen. Amen.